26 and 19 reads like this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, then how great is that darkness? I want you to notice this. But no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body what you will put on it is life not more than food and the body not more than clothing look at the birds of the air for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father once you notice that yet your heavenly father feeds them are you of not more value than they which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature so why then do you worry about clothing Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, and if he so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, and then tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry. Somebody say that. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God, we thank you so much for your word. It is inspired. It is anointed. It is God-breathed. Today I ask that you remove every distraction and hindrance from our hearts from hearing what you say to us. And Lord, any, any, um, any human uh, element that would cause me to stumble or fumble or, or to misspeak, Lord, let my words today be guided by your Holy Spirit. But Lord, most of all, let us hear from your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. Well, if you missed last Sunday, wasn't it great? Had a house full of people and two whole families got baptized. Praise the Lord. God is good. He's adding to the kingdom and adding to our church family. So we're thankful about that. This morning we are starting a brand new series entitled Next Level Living. Next Level Living. As I was praying, the Lord was speaking to my heart and saying this. I, I want my people to step up a level. I want them to step up in their spiritual life. I want them to step up in their faith. I want them to step up in their, um, in their serving in every area of life. And so the Lord began to deal with me about this. And as I began to pray into it a little bit more specific and a little bit more along the way, I began to think about various different aspects. And so you're going to notice that the overarching theme of Next Level Living, this series, is going to be on the subject of overcoming I want to start off the bat and tell you this. You are an overcomer in Christ. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror. You need to know 
that the enemy, the adversary of our souls, Satan, is a defeated foe. The cross has rendered him defeated. Yet, although he has a short window here on the earth and he's going to torment people and, and all of these things up until the time of the, when he's cast into the lake of fire, our enemy is a defeated foe. He's just trying to, to uh, buy time by causing us to trip up and fumble along the way. But as we look at this, you and I need to know that we are more than conquerors in Christ. That God has given us everything we need for victory. Everything we need for uh, overcoming living in this world. So that we can be a blessing and be blessed and we can advance the kingdom of God. And so this morning, as we start this, I want to talk to you about... uh, Overcoming worry. In fact, looking at this subject this morning, specifically my title is Overcoming the Fear of Lack. So many people are worried in this life. Christian, unchristian, believer, non-believer, rich and poor, people are worried specifically about this area that I'm going to be talking about this morning, talking about overcoming the fear of not having enough. You know, I saw something uh, in the news uh, this last week that was very interesting to me. Maybe you saw it, maybe you, you glanced past it. it. I don't know if you're like me, I, I'm not the type of guy that sits down and just watches the news, but these clips sometimes come across my feed or across my desk or I come across uh, a YouTube video, but this one was particularly, um, uh, uh, what's the word, alarming to me, I guess is, is what you might say. Because it came from Kenya. And those of you know, I have a ministry over there. And so I, I keep up with the governmental things because they affect some of uh, our stuff at our school at times. So uh, I was looking at uh, the president of Kenya this last week in a press conference. And he was advising all of the, the residents of Kenya that if they were holding on to U.S. dollars, because over there right now, the, the U.S. dollar gets so much more bang for its buck than the Kenya shilling, dollar for dollar. And so, anyway, he was warning them that if they were holding on to them, hoping that the price was going to increase, that they needed to let them go or they would suffer great loss. He then went on to talk about how OPEC and the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Saudi Arabians and, and everybody that controls the oil industry is going away from the U.S. dollar. And, it's, and if they happen to do that, as predicted... They begin to talk about the markets beginning to crash, inflation going up a little bit more. And, and I know because Americans are so consumeristically driven and we're tied to so much world debt around the world that we, we latch on to these things because let's just be honest today, uh, uh, finances and economics are such a big part of the world in which we live. Are they not? By the way, this is not a message on giving today. Hallelujah. But economics drives so much of the force of what you and I do. How many of you know the light bill, uh, the light company, when it's time to pay the light bill, they don't take hugs and smiles. They don't take thoughts and prayers. They don't take good vibes. They want Benjamins. Amen. They do. Uh, Same thing when your car note comes up and you have to pay your car note or you have to pay your mortgage. And so uh, economics goes up and down, up and down. Mortgage rates, what people can buy houses for, they fluctuate. And they're down one day and they're up the next. And, and so these things, whether or not we're, we're overly consumed with them, they do 
affect our lives. And I think the scripture covers such a vast array of things. Because while it deals with salvation, eternity, heaven, and hell, Jesus also recognizes that we're still here on the earth. God's left us here for a, pur- for a purpose. I want you to know that if you gave your life to Christ, okay, you said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And if God didn't kill you at the altar and take you straight to heaven at that moment, that must mean he's left you here for a purpose. And if he's left us here for a purpose, that must mean that we need to trust his word and his wisdom to learn how to navigate the Christian life. And I want you to know that as salt and light, Christians are called to live differently, think differently, and operate differently than the world. The world should look at us, we should be happier people. Come on, the depression rate should be lesser in the church. The divorce rate should be lesser in the church. Come on, I'm telling you, because the Holy Spirit living inside of Christians ought to make us different from the world. Ah, Amen. So, what I'm wanting you to see is statistically, across board, uh, it shows us that worrying about finances is something that touches every single American home. I got news for you today. This is going to blow your mind. Do you know even rich people worry about finances? So this morning, this is not a you have money, you don't have money. This all has to do with mindset. Because I believe the spirit of the world is robbing God's people of peace. He's robbing them of sleep. And he's robbing them of true prosperity. See, the word prosperity hangs up people because they equate it with certain things. Mansions, cars, whatever. But that's not even what the biblical word means. The word prosperity in the original language, it, it literally means total peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That includes your peace of mind. I know a lot of people who have lots of money, but they have no peace. They have house, but they, have, they don't have a home. They have a, a, a wife by contract, but they don't have a spouse. They have things, they have possessions, but they don't really have peace. And God wants us to have peace. I think it's a key of Christian living because Paul, the Apostle Paul said this, I've learned that whatever state that I'm in, I've learned to be content. Contentment. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, what the Apostle Paul was saying, whatever state that I'm in, I've learned to be content. He's not saying I used to live in Maine and now I live in California. He's saying I've been broke, I have been middle class, I have been uh, wealthier at times, I've had economic changes in my life, but I've learned that no matter where I am, God's faithful, I'm going to be content because my life does not consist of the things that I possess as a Christian. My life consists of not who I, what I possess, but who I possess. Because friend, let me tell you, a person who possesses Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, is the most wealthy person on the entirety of the planet. People, listen, people, entrepreneurs and big-name people who are pro- profess atheists, and, and, and I could start naming big corporations and companies that all of us would be familiar with. These guys have billions of dollars. They sneeze, and Benjamins come out of their nose. I mean, they wipe their nose on $100 bills. These people are so wealthy. They have to give it away just so that they can have room for stuff. 
Those people, when they die without Christ, friends, let me tell you, they are all the most miserable. Why? Because there's more to this life. And so there's a balance that you and I have to learn to walk in because uh, the Bible tells us to be content. The Bible tells us not to trust in uncertain riches. But yet, at the same time, we're still down here in this economic system. So God's people have to learn how to think right. They also have to learn how to apply sound biblical principles uh, to what God has given them so that not only we can be good stewards, but we can focus on what he's called us to focus on. That's what he wants us to do in our lives. And so it's interesting that our currency, back at the beginning of the Civil War, they begin to print this phrase. I asked them to put a picture up on the screen. The phrase, in God we trust, began to be printed on, on certain coins right at the Civil War. And then I believe that uh, later on down the road, uh, in actually, um, I think it was around 1955, they made it kind of regular for this phrase to be printed on our, fin- on our, on our currency in the U.S., so it's, it's probably true that if you were to reach into your pocket, grab a quarter, grab a $1 bill, a $20, $5, $100, any currency right now currently in your possession, you were to pull it out today, you were to look at it, it would say, in God we trust. But if I had liberty today, I would add one thing to this statement. You know what it is? Question mark. Question mark. In God we trust? Question mark. The reason why I say that is because so many people trust the almighty dollar more than they trust the almighty God. Do you know why I can say that? It's statistically proven. It has to do with how people spend their money, how they prioritize their lives, stress, worry, all of the decisions that are based off of this right here. People determine where they go to college off of this right here. They determine what they drive off of this right here. They determine if they're going to serve God or not on the mission field or wherever He calls them based on this right here. So the question is, Do we really trust in God? See, I think this is a prophetic reminder every single day in our face. I hope and pray that the next time you get paid, whether it's a digital transfer from your company to your bank account, or you actually old school get the check, go to the bank and get the cash, I hope you remember this phrase right here. Because God truly does want us to trust Him. And it's amazing to me that people who profess to be Christians will come to an altar and trust a God they have never seen with their eternal soul, their life and death, the afterlife, the removal of sins. They will trust God with their eternal soul, but yet won't trust Him with with the temporal dollar. It's true. You see, when we worry, it robs us from what God wants to do in our lives. If you if you're, go back to our passage this morning, Matthew chapter 6, this is right off the heels of the Beatitudes. Jesus is teaching on 
the Mount of Olives and he's giving them the Olivet Discourse. And, and in this, he's pa- uh, packing a great punch of life truth to his disciples. He's teaching them about, about salvation. He's teaching them about worry. He's teaching them about, about their motivations on when they pray and when they fast and when they give. He's, he's trying to teach them these things. But packaged within this is this principle today. Overcoming the fear of lack. I want to I look back at Matthew 6 for a moment. Turn over there. We won't read the whole thing again right now. But notice what he says right here in verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and whether thieves break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you're taking notes, if you're that type of person this morning, the first thing I want to tell you, number one, is this. I believe Jesus is trying to tell us this. Number one, don't trust in stuff. Don't trust in stuff. Say that with me. Don't trust in stuff. Um. Church family, let me, let me tell you today, your joy level, your satisfactory level in life should not be determined by how much money you have in your 401k, your checking account, your savings account, or how many toys you have in your garage. Your joy, your contentment, your happiness should be found in the fact that we are born again and we belong to Jesus Christ. Stuff is not the issue. The Bible is filled with people who God used greatly, who were wealthy. Abraham was wealthy in cattle and gold and silver and, 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 and land and houses and, and you name it and and you, you see Solomon was wealthy and, and he was blessed and David was blessed and, and you, you see that. So that's not the issue of having stuff. But with God, the issue is never having stuff. The issue is always stuff having you. If you can't say yes to God because of stuff, you have idols in your life. Now in Pakistan and in Indonesia and in ancient Roman culture when they would worship all the different gods, like for instance in Rome and the Pantheon, you go in the Pantheon and they have all these windows and, and shelves where they would place the different gods, the, the god of thunder, the god of rain, the god of earthquakes, they had a god for everything. We may not have gods that are fashioned by gold or silver or even wood, but we have, god, we have gods fashioned. They, they have, you know, brand names on them. They have MasterCard on them, Discover on them, American Express on them. Again, notice the issue is not having stuff, it's stuff having you. This is what Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel right here, chapter 6. And he goes in to, to introduce us to this passage in verse number 19. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I want you to notice here. Do not lay up. That, that means to lay up something, it means to heap up. To just, to just amass great, great wealth. 
Then notice the next part. For yourselves. For yourselves. Do not lay up for yourselves. You know that, that one, of the, one of the characteristics that God doesn't like in humanity is greediness. Greediness and self-centeredness. And, and you know, there are people who have lots of stuff, but they never help people. They have lots of toys, but they don't have money for missionaries. They have lots of things, but yet they don't take care of what is important outside of their own pleasures. So notice he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth. Why? Because moth and rust destroy. Where thieves break in and steal. Stay right there. Just this last week, just an hour and 40 minutes from my parents' house, a a tornado rolled through uh, the, the western end of Little Rock and destroyed a whole strip mall, whole residential area. You see, just moments before this, and I'm speaking language we know in northwest Oklahoma. Some of you have lived through it. See, in Little Rock just the other day, moments before that tornado struck, you know what was in some people's yards? Bass boats. Four-wheelers, because it's Arkansas. You live in the city, you have a four-wheeler in Arkansas. In that house were shotguns that people paid thousands of dollars for and fishing poles and, and, and you name it, golf clubs and, and cars and every, everything that they could amass in their own personal possessions was there. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. It was gone in a moment. It was gone in a moment. In this instance, moth and rust didn't destroy it, but the winds and the rains destroyed it in just a singular moment. You know what Jesus is trying to teach us in this passage? He's trying to teach us about the temporal nature of human life and and us becoming so uh, overwhelmed by our stuff because people, what they do every single day is they lay up for themselves. They work harder so they can get more stuff. For what? So you can skip church more? Come on, somebody. For what? So you can have church on the lake more? Why is God giving us all this stuff? Is it to enrich our lives or is it to be a blessing to those around us? Because listen, in a moment, every single person in this room, their situation can change. Your job can close tomorrow. Your bank, your bank can foreclose and, and go into cease and desist. All your money that, that you thought was insured could be uninsured and lost in a moment. Stock markets can tank. Uh, you name it. This morning, I'm not hoping or wishing those things are happening. I'm telling you that in this fallen world, not only is it possible, but it's probable. We've seen it time and time again. Every single day in New York City on Wall Street, six and seven figure executives walk into work one morning. They walk out of the evening without a job. Everything can be taken in a moment. And so listen to me. If our joy, if our happiness, if our well-being in life is determined by this right here, then we're going to be an emotional wreck. Don't trust in stuff. Use it. Enjoy it. God put it here for us to enjoy. Not above Him. But He did put it here for us to enjoy. I don't think He put the lakes there for us not to fish in. 
I don't think he put the woods there for us not to hunt in. I don't think he, he did all of those fun things for us not to enjoy, but it's the priority of our passion that God's concerned in. But notice here, we're not to trust in stuff. Why? Because it's so temporal. Here's the second thing. We've got to learn to prioritize the right things. Look back at our text. He said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's what he's saying here. He's saying you've got to learn to prioritize the right things in your life. If you want to overcome the fear of lack, you've got to learn how to prioritize the right things. He said, listen, while you're amassing all of this worldly stuff that can be taken away in an instant, if you want to root yourself, you want to root your emotions, if you want to walk in a stable life, learn to put first the things that are eternal. You know, you know what's eternal? Salvation's eternal. Jesus is eternal. People that we win for the Lord are eternal. Things in this life that, listen, money cannot buy. We've got to focus on eternal. We need to ask ourselves the question, what is going to last? I've got a question all of us should ask ourselves internally. What do my financial decisions say about my eternal worldview? What do my financial decisions say about my eternal kingdom worldview? Pastor Seth noted it earlier. What a person does with their resources that God has entrusted them with says a lot about them. Because the scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, any of us today, if we had an extra $100,000 laying around our house, which maybe you do, I don't. But if you did, tomorrow you went and put it in some stocks. I promise you, tomorrow you will have downloaded an app on your phone. You can watch it throughout the day. Your heart's going to flutter when it goes up. And it's going to drop when it goes down. You know why? Scripture knew what he was talking about. There's an invisible string from a person's pocketbook to their heart, their passion. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, the most passionate soul winners, the most passionate people who want to evangelize the world are givers. Why? Because they know that what they have is uh, but, but God's anyway. All of us, listen, all of us are just managers of God's stuff. See, we talk about the tithe a lot, and the tithe is the designated first 10% of our income that should go to God. But listen, to be truthful, He owns all 100% of it. And if you're a good manager of God's stuff, you just learn to say, okay, God, I've paid my, 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 my mortgage, I've, I've, I've bought our groceries, I've made sure my children are provided for, here's what's left, what do you want me to do with it? Do you want me to save it? Do you want me to invest it? Do you want me to bless somebody with it? What do you want me to do? What do our decisions everyday life say about our kingdom perspective here's our third thing here's where I want to hang my hat today 
If you want to learn to overcome the fear of lack, number three, you've got to refuse to worry. You've got to refuse to worry. My assignment today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is to break the spirit of worry off of your life. There are people in this room, this is not happenstance, I'm not throwing out words, this is the gospel truth. There are people in this room today, you are so frazzled about finances that it's about to destroy your life. Today, God wants to help you get free from that. Again, this isn't you got money, you don't. Rich people worry about money all the time. Number three, Got to refuse to worry. Look at verse number 25 with me. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, about what you're going to eat, about what you're going to drink, or about what you're going to wear, because is not your life more than your food, your drink, and your clothing? And then I want you to notice this. He said, look at the birds of the air. For they neither toil nor they spin, nor do they gather into barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then notice verse 27. He says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Then notice he asks the question here. So why then do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory is not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, and then tomorrow is bound up and thrown into the fire and mulched, he, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all of these things the Gentiles seek. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And then he tells us in verse 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This morning, here's what I'm trying to plainly say to all of us. If you want to learn to live on the next level spiritually, and you want to learn to overcome the fear of lack, you've got to learn to refuse to worry. You say, Pastor, I can't help it. That's not what the Scripture says. Scripture says, do not worry about your life. Worry is a choice. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. My mama worried, my grandma worried, everybody in my family worried. Well, I can't help it. A generational curse of worry runs in your family. But it ought to run out with you because you don't need to worry in your life. God is your provider. He is the God of all heaven. He's not gotten off his throne. And listen, it's okay to plan, but it's a sin to worry. Choosing to worry says, I don't trust God with my life. Now, I'm grateful he doesn't kick us out of the family when, when we worry. But he encourages us to trust him by saying, I want you to look at nature. Look at the lilies of the field. Not, they don't toil. They're, they're not out there fretting. But God clothes them. Look at the sparrows. He feeds them. But aren't you more, more better than any of those things? Is human life not better than the flowers? Is human life not better than the mere birds? God takes care of us. He tells us to refuse to worry. Listen, you got to stop letting worry take root in your life. Now, here's, here's the thing. How do you do that, Pastor? Well, Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. He said, he said um, 
We need to take every thought captive and bring it to the subjection of Christ, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. You know, one, one writer said it like this. He said, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building the nest in your hair. Right? You can't keep the thoughts from coming. But you can do something about allowing them to stay there. And when you're awake on your bed at night and the enemy's saying, well, what are you going to do about this bill and about this and about that and how are you going to handle this? You need to learn to take those thoughts captive. And you need to throw them down because they're exalting themselves against God in your life. See, the Bible says, let God be true and every man be a liar. And, and what does God's word say about us? I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Neither have I seen his seed out begging for bread. The Bible says uh, uh, that God takes care of those that belong to him. He says when you honor him, when you trust him, he, he makes overflow happen in your life. When you choose to put one foot in front of the other every day and say, Jesus, my life belongs to you. No matter where I end up, I trust you with my life. Listen, friend, you don't have to worry because if Jesus is driving the plane, you can't crash. It's impossible. Refuse to worry. When those thoughts come to your mind, you've got to cast them down. Not gonna worry about this. You know, worrying is borrowing from today to pay for tomorrow. And do you know? I don't know the statistic, and I don't like throwing around statistics if I can't verify them, but it's true. I know it in my own personal life. Most of what we fret about never even comes to pass. It doesn't. I'm gonna be honest with you. I believe transparency is the best policy. Naturally, Outside of my own spiritual man, my family are the worrying type. Not, not Blonnie, her family's not like that, but my, my, my mom and you know, everybody's just worried. Our mind tends to gravitate to the worst possible scenario. If somebody says, hey pastor, uh, I need to talk to you after church, it, the, the, the thought initially is not, oh, they must want to take me to lunch today. The thought is always, what did I do, when are they leaving? Being honest with you. Seriously. But what, what do I have to do as a, as a person, myself? I take that thought captive. And I say, you know what, devil? You're not building that nest in my hair. And I'm not going to allow you to plant seeds in my life. I didn't say where. I didn't say where. L listen, on my 40th birthday, in my line, I bought an ear hair trimmer. Come on, somebody. I really did. I did. Best Buy had it right there. I said, that must be a sign. Praise the Lord. It's just growing in different places now. Praise the Lord. You got to refuse to worry. You got to cast it down. This is the importance, though, of knowing the Word of God. The Bible says that the Word, you know, we got to take up the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. Listen, some of you have a, a little bitty shield. You know why? Because you got little bitty word. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. You get a lot of word, you got a big old shield. When the enemy comes, you just, 
duck behind that shield and you quench those fiery darts of the wicked one and you have to refuse to worry. The, the old King James says, says it like this, take no thought saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? The worry starts in the mind and then the next thing it does, if you don't get control of it, it starts escaping your lips. What, what, what? See, thoughts become, act- uh, thoughts become words, words become actions. That's the way it works. Refuse. Everybody say refuse. I'm about to land this plane. Here's the third thing. Or the fourth thing, rather. Got to learn to trust in God's provision. Got to learn to trust in God's provision. I want you to look back at our text with us. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, he says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Look at verse 32. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Stop right there. I don't think we realize how profound of a statement Jesus is making in this passage. He says, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, this is important because the church, you and I, have not come into existence yet in this passage. In, in, in Matthew, the most of it, unless they're prophetic passages pointing to the future, when they're dealing with the Jews, which are the people that Jesus came to save, he came to his own, his own received him not. You know, the church was birthed on Pentecost. So you had the, the Jews and the Gentiles at this point. And the Gentiles were all of the other religious people or unbelievers, basically anybody who weren't Jews, they were in the Gentile category. We would say it like this. The worldly people. The unsaved people. Here's another way to say it. People that don't have a covenant with God. They seek after all those things. The world, they're biting their fingernails. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to do? I hope our God takes care of us. But he said, we're not like that. He said, no, no, no. We're not like that at all. He said, for after all these things the Gentiles seek. But notice this. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Can I just be real honest with you? This is not prolific. God knows before you even ask. You know why he knows before you even ask? Because he's already been into your tomorrow. He knows what you need tomorrow. And can I tell you, provision's already been made for what you need. You don't believe me? This is a cool thing to think about. Hundreds of years before Zacchaeus ever needed to climb a tree, God planted a seed because he knew one day somebody would need to get in that tree and see Jesus. God sees the end from the beginning. He's already been into your future. So here's what God is saying. If he's already been into your future, then why are you worrying about it? Make no mistake about it, church. There's a difference between planning and worrying. The message I'm telling you today is not to fly by the seat of your pants. It's not to not have investments. It's not to not have a calendar. It's not to not do the best with what God has given you. But there's a difference, though. There's a difference between planning and worrying. One is smart. The other one is not smart. God wants you to trust in Him. Notice here. 
For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Look at this. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things, what things? Food, clothing, shelter, whatever you need. Seek God first. Seek His kingdom first. And these things shall be added unto you. Let's finish it up. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow is going to worry about its own stuff. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, what I was going to preach about today, I was going to tie it in with this and I didn't. We have a beautiful picture. And I'm closed. You can close your Bible. There's a beautiful picture in the Old and New Testament that parallels. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, they were in the wilderness. God made a covenant with them that He would provide. He sent manna every day from heaven. God's command to Israel was the seventh day is the Sabbath day. You don't work on it. That's my day. I've reserved it to myself. It's a day of worship, a day of rest. So here's what God said. God said every day starts on Sundays, the first day of the week. On Sunday, I'm raining manna down from heaven. You go get what you need for that day. On Monday, I'm raining manna down from heaven. You go get what you need for that day. It goes all the way through, and he says on Friday, or Thursday night, if you look at how the Jews do the calendar, on Thursday night, Friday, Sabbath, because it starts Sunday on, uh, sundown on Friday. It says on that Sabbath day, the day before, that day only, you gather two days worth, enough to carry you through for the Sabbath day. You know what the Bible says? Some of the people went out and they started stuffing their pockets, man. Reminds me of people who go through the 10 aisles or less, 10 items or less line with 30 items in their basket. Just acting like nobody sees. Just stuffing it all in there. No, you know what the Bible says? It turned to worms and it ruined. Because God was trying to teach them, I want you to trust me for your daily bread. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You see, some of us are worried about next week, next month, next year. God says, are you trusting me with today? See, some of us miss God opportunities. Please stand. Some of us miss God opportunities in our life worrying about tomorrow. We're not even focused on today. See, if you know that God can give you your daily bread, then when God speaks to you to buy groceries to somebody who needs it, you're not worried about it being there tomorrow because you know if God told you to give it, He can give it back to you tomorrow. Who do you trust? See, next level living says, I'm not going to worry about lack or finances. I'm going to trust God with my life, no matter what our economy lives. Let me tell you something, church. This is the last thing I want to say. Our, our lives as Christians are not dictated solely by the economies of the countries that we live in, but the kingdom that we belong to. Our Father owns a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills. And one country preacher said, and all the potatoes under the hills too. He owns it all. So why worry? Every head bowed, every eye closed.